Hello and welcome to the First Day in Football Show. I'm your host, Tobias Brown, and we are back with episode 12 today. It's Conference Championship Weekend, and in today's episode, we are going to preview both the AFC and NFC Championship matchups. But before we get into that, I do want to hit you guys with the latest news and notes from around the NFL. It's been a busy last 24 hours. The Denver Broncos have hired their man. They've got their new head coach and they have hired current Green Bay Packer offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett is the new Broncos head coach. Like I said, Hackett was most recently, the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers, um, also served as the offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars from 2016 to 2018. Um, Hackett comes from a coaching family. He is the son of former NFL coach and college coach Paul Hackett. Paul Hackett was head coach at a couple different universities, most notably USC. Um, Really, the thing with the Nathaniel Hackett hires a couple things. One, Hackett is widely regarded as one of the better offensive minds in the NFL. Obviously, you'll get the Green Bay Packers offense. It's been very successful. Now, a lot of that has to do, obviously, with the fact that they have a generational talent in Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. And that's really what I think is interesting with this hire is, you know, there was rumors about Rodgers going to Denver already that was kind of already on the radar. A lot of people think if Rodgers is going to move on from Green Bay, he's going to he's gonna want to go back out west he's originally from the west coast played his college ball at cal would he want to get back out west denver obviously gets him a lot closer to the west coast and bringing in a guy like nathaniel hackett someone he's comfortable with somebody he's worked with does that help denver in those sweepstakes also the idea of having a young innovative mind like a nathaniel hackett could be beneficial in whatever quarterback route they go in. Let's say it's not a Rodgers. Do they double down on a Drew Locke? Give him another year to see if he can develop. Nathaniel Hackett's going to help them a lot there. Like I said, Hackett also being the former offensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars from 2016 to 2018, that was, you know, in that time frame, the Jaguars in 2017 made it to an AFC championship game. Now, I understand that a lot of the Jaguars' success that year was that defense with guys like A.J. Boye, Jalen Ramsey, Calais Campbell. You know, it was a very talented defense, but that was also a year where Blake Bortles played arguably his best football we had ever seen Blake Bortles play. Um, Leonard Fournette showed up very nicely for them that year. You know, the receiving core was very talented. The offense did a lot of good things, too. So Nathaniel Hackett has had success where he's been at. I think that's a really good hire for the Denver Broncos. But the Chicago Bears, they also found their new head coach. The Chicago Bears hire former Indianapolis Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus. Matt Eberflus, like I said, most recently the defensive coordinator with the Indianapolis Colts. He had been with the Colts since 2018 as their defensive coordinator, and they had had a pretty good defense. Um, they were the top ten. They were a top ten unit since Eberflus took over there in 2018. Um, right around seventh is where they average just about every year so definitely a very good defense he Eberflus has been coaching for quite some time um, he had been a linebacker linebackers coach with the Cleveland Browns for a couple seasons spent about six years with the Dallas Cowboys in varying degrees most notably as a linebackers coach um, was in the college ranks for seven years before making the jump to the NFL so been around the block very experienced again a guy who had been rumored for several jobs um, 
the the Bears went the route that we had talked about. We talked about the Bears don't necessarily have to go young, innovative, offensive mind just because they have a young, you know, quarterback. They go with the defensive coordinator. Now, I think what is going to be, you know, interesting and essential to their success is who do they get at offensive coordinator. They have to get an offensive coordinator who is going to work well with Justin Fields. It'll be interesting to see where they go there. Um, I know one of the rumors I had heard, I hope they don't go this way, but something to keep an eye on is Matt Eberflus has worked with Jason Garrett. Like I said, Eberflus was with the Cowboys for about six years. He was on the Cowboys coaching staff um, and the head coach at the time was Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett, of course, former Dallas Cowboy head coach, most recently the offensive coordinator of the New York Giants. Could Eberflus look to bring in a guy like Jason Garrett? Definitely something to keep an eye on, especially because Jason Garrett is kind of known for you know being a guy who knows how to work with quarterbacks. Obviously, Jason Garrett is a former NFL quarterback. He was a backup in the 90s with the Dallas Cowboys. He was Troy Aikman's backup, so... Could that be a potential? It'll be interesting to see. Um, other news and notes from around the NFL. Ben Roethlisberger has decided to call it a career. Big Ben officially retiring. Um, I think we all knew it was coming. Big Ben had alluded to it throughout the season. Not surprising to see him make it official. I think without a doubt, Big Ben is you know, surefire Hall of Fame quarterback. He's fifth all-time in passing yards. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. Um, has some of the more relevant and famous Super Bowl moments, you know, of my lifetime. I think of the QB sneak against the Seattle Seahawks and the buzz around, was it a touchdown? Was it not a touchdown? Um, you think about his throw in the back of the end zone to San Antonio Holmes when they played the Arizona Cardinals in his second Super Bowl, and he made it to a third Super Bowl. I know they got beat by Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, but still Ben took the Steelers to three Super Bowls in his time as the quarterback there. Um, I think we can very safely say that Big Ben was the best quarterback out of a very good quarterback class, that 2004 quarterback class where Eli Manning went number one and then Phillip Rivers went three picks later. And then Ben was kind of the, you know, forgotten guy, the third guy in the first round. And I think Ben had a much better career than both Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning. The real question now becomes, now that the Steelers know it's official, now that they know that Ben Roethlisberger is gone, who is next who's the next guy up you know you look at the Steelers have had another great Hall of Fame quarterback before that being Terry Bradshaw and when Terry Bradshaw left they were in flux for a while I mean you think about the guys who came right before Ben Roethlisberger whether it was you know Cordell Stewart Neil O'Donnell Tommy Maddox played some football there for them for a little bit you know you had Bubby Brister I mean they just started a ton of different quarterbacks It'll be interesting to see, can Pittsburgh roll right from a Ben into another guy, or is it, you know, we've heard talk that they're going to give Mason Rudolph a chance to win the starting job. I don't really think, I if I was Pittsburgh, I wouldn't even waste my time with that. Mason Rudolph's not a starter in the NFL. It sounds like they're going to give Dwayne Haskins an original round tender, which basically means Dwayne Haskins will be back on the roster for the Pittsburgh Steelers next year at about $2.5 million, which in my opinion is worth the shot there, you know, Haskins is a former first round pick. Clearly there were some traits and talent that allowed him to go in the first round. See if you can't maybe tap into that. Um, I think though, even if you bring back both Rudolph and Haskins, and even if you, you know, want to draft a quarterback, this upcoming draft class, I think you still have to bring in a veteran. There's going to be a lot of veterans. We've talked about some of the available quarterbacks, whether it's, you know, Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Mariota, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jameis Winston, Jacoby Brissett, they have to bring somebody in. 
in my opinion, if, you know, just out of those quarterbacks I just named, I think Tyrod Taylor is better than anything they have on their roster right now. I'm not advocating for Tyrod Taylor being a long-term starter, but if you have to bring him in as a bridge quarterback, that is better than what they have. You you all know my opinion on Gardner Minshew. I think Gardner Minshew is definitely worth a team who needs a quarterback going and looking at. Um, Teddy Bridgewater's out there as well, and I think he's an upgrade over what the Steelers have right now in their you know, locker room. I think if they are to draft a quarterback, I think it's going to be a little bit hard for them because you got to remember they made the playoffs. So they're going to be drafting right around, you know, early twenties. So what is going to be available? You know, I think really there's this quarterback class doesn't excite me. Um, Kenny Pickett is probably who I'm the highest on. And even then I say that with some reservation, but I think both Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, and Sam Howell, I could see all three of them being gone by the time Pittsburgh picks. And I'd, I would not take Desmond Ritter or Carson Strong in the first round. Um, in my opinion, if I'm Pittsburgh, don't don't pigeonhole yourself into taking a first-round quarterback. You have so many other holes on the roster. You know, it's been widely known how bad their offensive line play is. If there is a very talented, you know, clear-cut offensive lineman at that pick, take him. Because they're... You know, there are going to be other quarterbacks you can get later on. I think specifically to Western Kentucky's quarterback, Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi threw for over 5,000 yards this year at Western Kentucky. And I know it was kind of a one-year wonder. It was in an air raid offense. You know, before that, he, you know, he transferred to Western Kentucky from Houston Baptist. So a lot of it's going to be, well, was that a fluke or can you do it again? But you got to remember Gardner Minshew was the same thing. He was kind of a one-year wonder in college in an air raid system. Mike Leach's offense, the air raid offense there at Washington State University. So I think the Steelers may be better to take a quarterback, you know, middle rounds, and then also go get a veteran and established quarterback. So that's where I see the Steelers going with that quarterback position. But we do have some other news we got to touch on here around the NFL. Dan Quinn, who was in consideration for that Denver Bronco job, also had been rumored to a few other jobs. He has let teams know that he is staying with the Dallas Cowboys. He's going to stay in Dallas as their defensive coordinator. And that tells me that Dan Quinn was really only interested in that Denver Broncos job. And then once that job kind of dissipated for him, he decided that for him, the best bet was to stay in Dallas, which I'm not, I don't blame him if I'm being honest. I mean, the Broncos job had the best defense, which is what Dan Quinn is known for. The Broncos job is a very appealing job outside of the uncertainty surrounding the quarterback position. You know, all those other jobs come with caveats. So I don't blame Dan Quinn for saying, I'll just go back to being the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. Can, makes complete sense to me. Looking at another defensive coordinator though, Mike McDonald has been hired as the new Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator. Mike McDonald was most recently the defensive coordinator for the University of Michigan. He was there for just one season this past year. Prior to that, he spent six years with the Baltimore Ravens from 2014 to 2020. Young guy, only 34, is seen as a rising star in the coaching ranks. Um, Really didn't break into the NFL coaching circle until 2014 with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, prior to that, he had kind of bounced around at the high school level and then was a low-level coach at the University of Georgia. Um, 
like I said, young guy, seen as a rising star. Obviously, we know Michigan's defense was legit this past year. How much of that was the talent there? We'll see. Um, so I think it's a good hire. Obviously, he John Harbaugh is familiar with him, not only having him on the staff, you know, from 14 to 2020, but also with the fact that John's brother, Jim, is the head coach at the University of Michigan. Um, last little note to touch on here, though, the Las Vegas Raiders have it appears to be a front runner for their head coaching position. Josh McDaniels, the current offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots, is seen as the front runner for that head coaching position of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I don't I will be honest, I don't like this. I don't like it at all. Everybody knows I think Rich Basaccia Rich Basaccia should have the job for what he did, kind of weathering the storm that the Raiders went through this past season. But even beyond that, you know, McDaniels had a shot as a head coach with the Denver Broncos, and I know he was young at the time, and I know there was issues there, you know, whether it was the fact that, you know, he kind of, you know, hitched his, you know, wagon up to drafting Tim Tebow in the first round, and that really just didn't make sense, um, you know, he had a little bit of a videotaping scandal similar to Spygate. Um, that I think kind of caused the ownership out there in Denver and Pat Boland to kind of say, yeah, I'm done with you. But then you got to remember, it wasn't that long ago that Chris Ballard, the GM of the Indianapolis Colts, had a deal in place with Josh McDaniels for McDaniels to become the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. The deal was in place. McDaniels had already assembled his coaching staff. And then at the last minute, he meets with Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft says, hey, I'll pay you like a head coach. I'll give you $4 million a year to stay on as our offensive coordinator. And McDaniels takes it. He balks at the idea of being the head coach for the Indianapolis Colts, leaves them out in the cold. Now, obviously, the Colts still got themselves a good coach there with Frank Reich. But it kind of makes me wonder, does does that hurt McDaniel's credibility in locker rooms? Does that hurt his credibility to be able to assemble a top-tier staff? I just don't know that I like the idea of the Raiders, you know, going with a Josh McDaniels, especially given all of the, you know, tumultuous situations they've been through, the Henry Ruggs, the John Gruden, Damon Arnett, you know, just everything they've went through this past season. I really feel like they need a more, you know, calming presence in the locker room. That's why I think a guy like Rich Bisaccia, who's well-respected in the locker room, has a presence there already, makes way more sense for me. But let's get into these games. We're going to start, of course, with the AFC Championship game. You know, Bengals and Chiefs. I, If you would have told me at the beginning of the season that, you know, pick your two AFC teams in the AFC Championship game, I think it would have been natural. Most of us would have picked the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know that any of us would have picked the Cincinnati Bengals. If you would have, hats off to you. I will tell you I would not have, but that's where we are. And these two teams played each other not too long ago. They just matched up in week 17, and the Bengals were able to pull out a win in week 17, 34 to 31. I will tell you, score's a little deceiving because in the first half of that game, the Chiefs were really in control. They had a 28-17 lead at the half. But in the second half, that... Bengals defense, I mean, it really clamped down. The statistics on what that Bengals D was able to hold the Chiefs offensive stars to, they're impressive. I mean, Patrick Mahomes only threw for 259 yards in the entire game. Not too often you see Mahomes held under 275 passing yards. So really impressive there. Um, you look at his two-star receivers, Tyreek Hill, only 40 yards. Now, Hill caught the ball six times, 
but only 40 yards on six catches. Travis Kelsey was only held to 25 receiving yards. I mean, that's just terrific defense, especially from a unit where I would say, if you asked me what is the one thing that I'm worried about with the Cincinnati Bengals, it would be their pass coverage, you know. They've got some names there. They've got recognizable names, whether it's former first-round pick Eli Apple, former Ohio State Buckeye safety Von Bell, obviously Jesse Bates, Cheetah Bay Awuzier, the former Denver Bronco, I mean, the former Dallas Cowboy. I mean, they've got some names there that have played football in the NFL. But outside of Jesse Bates, none of those guys get me going. I mean, Eli Apple is on his third team since being drafted in the first round by the New York Giants. Um, Cheetah Bay Awuzier was, you know, less than stellar with the Dallas Cowboys. And Von Bell has also bounced around a little bit. I just, none of those names get me that excited, but they got it going in that game. I mean, you look in, we talked about last week with the Buffalo Bills. One of the areas where I felt the Bills really struggled was keeping Patrick Mahomes contained, not allowing Mahomes to extend plays with his legs. But in this matchup in week 17, the Bengals were able to keep Mahomes contained. They held Mahomes to only 25 rushing yards, which is really impressive. I mean, if they can replicate, you know, we talk about keys to the game for this, you know, conference championship game, and it's really simple. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals, just take the blueprint for what you did specifically in the second half against the Chiefs in week 17 and just replicate that over four quarters on Sunday and you'll win the game. If you can do what you did in week 17 for four quarters on Sunday, you are going to walk out of there victorious. I mean, I think... They also, another area where I think they, they've got to be smart is control the time of possession. I know when they met in week 17, Joe Burrow had a day. He went 30 of 39 for 446 yards and four touchdowns. So, you know, you would like to think, well, could the Bengals get in a shootout with the Chiefs? Are the Bengals one of those offenses that have enough firepower with Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, C.J. Uzama, Joe Mixon at the running back position? Could they get in a shootout with the Kansas City Chiefs? I think that's, you know, that's a fool's logic there. The Buffalo Bills have just as good of an offense, and they came up just short in a shootout effort. You don't want to get in a shootout with the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is best when he just gets to go out there and play street ball. You don't want to let that happen. Control the time of possession. Establish the running game. In order to do that, that offensive line has to step it up. We talked about how bad they looked in the divisional round game against the Tennessee Titans. Joe Burrow got sacked nine times, but that sack number is a little deceiving. So you think Joe Burrow got sacked nine times, so you think he must have been pressured at least, you know, 20, 25 times, but that's not the case. The Tennessee Titans only were able to get 13 pressures on Joe Burrow. It's just when they got the pressure, Burrow went down. So... Bengals line, it's got to step up. Isaiah Prince has to be better at right tackle. That has been a gaping hole for them. The right side of their offensive line with Prince at right tackle, Hakeem Adeniji at right guard, got to be better. I think Hopkins at the center position is going to have to hold it down because you know the interior of the Chiefs defensive line is very good with Jaron Reed, with Chris Jones, you know, and the edge rushers are just as good. We've got Frank Clark. You've got Melvin Ingram. So, like I said, tackle play Jonah Williams at left tackle. It's going to be important that that Bengals offensive line steps it up. For the Chiefs, 
Obviously, the big plays is where your bread's buttered. You gotta get Tyreek Hill going. You gotta get Travis Kelsey going. But I've been saying it this whole postseason run. You gotta have somebody else step it up. One of these other receivers, whether it's Demarcus Robinson, whether it's Michael Hardman, whether it's Byron Pringle, if you can get one of the backup tight ends, either Noah Gray or Blake Bell, one of those guys is going to have to make a big play because the Bengals have the formula. The Bengals have the recipe. The Bengals know how to shut down Kelsey and Hill. So if the Bengals are able to replicate that and they're able to shut down Kelsey and Hill, which one of these complimentary role guys is going to step it up? Is it going to be a running back? Is it going to be Claude Edwards-Alaire? Is it going to be Jarek McKinnon? Who is going to step up for the Kansas City Chiefs and make a big play if one of the two superstar receivers can't get it done? Really, my prediction for this one is I, th- I think Joe Burrow gets it done. I think Joe Shiesty himself is going to get it done, and I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to go to a Super Bowl for the first time since Anthony Munoz was their left tackle, since Chris Collinsworth wasn't in the booth, annoying all of us on Sunday nights, but was actually out on a football field looking quite competent. You know, we're not going to have the icky shuffle at the Super Bowl anymore, but I tell you what, I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase get it done. I think the Bengals are able to win this game 31 to 28 and keep the miracle season going um so the question then becomes who do they play nfc championship game is a nfc west rematch we have got the san francisco 49ers taking on the los angeles rams these two teams obviously being divisional rivals that means they've already played twice this year um they most recently played in week 18 the final week of the regular season that's how the 49ers got into the playoffs was by beating the rams in week 18 27 to 24 in overtime um, they also played in week 11 where the 49ers beat the Rams again, 31 to 10. Sean McVay does not have a lot of success against the 49ers since taking over as the Rams head coach in 2017. He is three and seven against the San Francisco 49ers, and he has lost six in a row to the San Francisco 49ers. In the two games that these two teams played each other this year, Matt Stafford threw four interceptions and was sacked seven times. So that 49er defense has Matt Stafford's number right now. Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, we've talked about how good that 49er defensive line is, but you got to give credit to the 49er secondary as well. They've got some real guys there who are doing a lot of things. I mean, Josh Norman... The former, you know, Pro Bowl, All-Pro corner when he was with the Carolina Panthers went on to Washington and kind of flopped there. He's a backup in this secondary. That's a nice guy to have as a backup, though, somebody with that kind of experience. Um, Obviously, Fred Warner is one of the best linebackers in the NFL. And I really think D'Amico Ryans, their defensive coordinator, former NFL linebacker himself, most notably with the Houston Texans, I think even though this is his first year as a defensive coordinator, he's coaching himself into head coaching opportunities with just how well that defense is playing and just how big some of his play calls are in important times. I think he dials up the blitz at just the right times. He's not too blitz happy, but just the right times. He really does a good job with it. You know, I think for the 49ers, a big key is going to be how healthy is left tackle Trent Williams. He was gimping around for most of that divisional round game against the Green Bay Packers, and it showed because the Packers got plenty of pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo with guys like Zadarius Smith, Rashawn Gary was able to get a ton of pressure as well. 
and the Rams defensive line is not any more respite. They are just as good, if not better, in my opinion, much better than the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Donald, with Leonard Floyd, with Von Miller. Greg Gaines is questionable right now. He's a little banged up. I think a lot of guys would be questionable at this stage in the season, though I expect Gaines to go. Um, so health of Trent Williams is going to be a big one. Obviously, we saw Debo Samuel and George Kittle, you know, also kind of shaken up towards the end of that divisional round game. They've both been removed off the injury report completely, so they are good to go for this weekend. Um, when these two teams matched up twice this year, the 49ers ran for a total of 291 yards. In So when you combine both their totals over the two games, 291 yards, they ran for over 130 yards in both games. I mean, they they clearly know how to run on this defensive front. It's a credit to Kyle Shanahan. We've talked about what a master he is at play calling. Um, to me, keys of the game, they're simple. We talked about it. Defense, you got to keep harassing Matt Stafford. You got to keep harassing Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford is prone to make mistakes when he's harassed. Um, we've talked about Jimmy Garoppolo a lot on this podcast. We've talked about Jimmy Garoppolo's mistakes. Jimmy Garoppolo has to play a game where he doesn't make mistakes. He cannot throw interceptions. When these two teams played each other earlier this year, in week 18, he threw two picks. In week 11, he didn't throw a single pick. He's got to replicate the week 11 game where he's just smart with the football. He takes what the defense has given him, doesn't try to do too much, doesn't try to force throws, cannot miss high. He is notorious for missing high on throws. You do that, this secondary is going to make you pay. It's a very good secondary, anchored by Jalen Ramsey. Garoppolo has to be on his A game. I think like we talked about, they know how to run the football against the Rams. you got to establish the run again. Debo Samuel, Elijah Mitchell, they're going to be the keys to this game. If you get them going, you can control the time of possession. You can keep a very prolific and very powerful Rams offense off the field because the Rams are a quick strike waiting to happen. We saw it at the end of their divisional round game against the Buccaneers. They're able to hit big plays with Cooper cup. They have Odell Beckham jr. Van Jefferson has come in to his own. I mean, you have got to keep that Rams offense off the field. The only way you're going to do it is to be able to establish the run for the Rams. You have to control the line of scrimmage. You have to be able to pass protect for Matt Stafford. It sounds like you're going to get Andrew Whitworth back. He'll be able to play in this game. That's big for them having him back at left tackle. But I look at guys like Rob Havenstein at right tackle. He's got to get it going. Austin Corbett at guard has to be productive. They're going to need you know, the really the interior of their O-line with Brian Allen at center as well. They've got to man up, be tough, really do a good job pass blocking. I think you're going to have to establish the run as well. Cam Akers had two horrible fumbles in their divisional round game, ran the football 24 times for only 48 yards. In my opinion, they've got to share the workload at running back with Sony Michelle. you got to be able to run the football somewhat. As far as the defensive line goes, get pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. We talked about how Jimmy Garoppolo is prone to make mistakes and how Jimmy Garoppolo can't make mistakes in this game. Well, if you want to force him to make mistakes, you have arguably the best defensive front in football. You have to take advantage of it. You have to get after Jimmy Garoppolo because your secondary, although it is good and it's anchored by a superstar in Jalen Ramsey, the safety position is weak. Taylor Rapp is banged up. Jordan Fuller's out. You brought in Eric Weddle, who hadn't played football since 2019. You are, you know, you are susceptible to big plays. And 
the 49ers have some big play hitters on their offense with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, if he can get it going, Travis Benjamin, the former Cleveland Brown and Los Angeles Charger. They've got some big play guys. George Kittle at tight end. I mean, he's a big play waiting to happen as well. So got to get pressure. You know, the 49er offensive line, like I said, Trent Williams, one of the best left tackles in football, but the rest of the offensive line is mediocre at best. The right side of that line with Tom Compton is really a weakness for them. I think you have to expose it if you're the Rams. And you got to get Stafford going early. Stafford is kind of a, you know, he's hit or miss. Some games Stafford looks elite. Stafford looks like he's at a Hall of Fame level. I told you guys last week I thought Stafford had his Hall of Fame moment with the game that he had against the Buccaneers and the throw he made late to Cooper Cup. But for every Hall of Fame moment Matt Stafford has, he has stretches where he throws seven picks over four games. What Stafford are we going to get? Sean McVay has to dial up a game plan that gets Stafford going early, gets Stafford in a rhythm, and gets him comfortable. But I think, with all that said, the San Francisco 49ers are going to pull out the win. I think the 49ers win a defensive ball game, 21-17. to I think we are going to have a San Francisco 49er and Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl. We're going to have 1980 vibes all over again. They're going to have it feeling, like I said, like Collinsworth, Boomer Esiason, Ken Anderson, Joe Montana vibes all over the place, except for we're going to have one of the brightest stars in Joe Burrow against a so-so Jimmy Garoppolo. I That's my Super Bowl prediction. It'll be interesting to see if I'm right. Um, like I always tell you guys, rate subscribe, review the podcast. That's all we've got for you guys this week. We will be back late Sunday night, early Monday morning with the review from all these championship games. But until then, take care and we will see you guys later.